Hi, it's me, Colby Braden, again. Just want to do another real short uh, uh, podcast on uh, limited atonement. Uh, Real brief, if I can. A lot of of people who might be somewhat attracted to Reformed theology, yet they still struggle with the notion of limited atonement, uh, which is basically the doctrine that Christ... Christ's atonement paid for the sins of only the elect. He didn't die for every single human being alive. He died only for the elect to pay for a certain amount of people. He purchased a people for himself. Um, There's a great article on the internet. Uh, You can find it. Go to Google and search Greg Bonson. That's G-A-R-E-G-B-A-H-N-S-E-N. Uh, limited atonement. His article on limited atonement is is really good. It's a brief article, and I'm just going to share some stuff from it. And I think it is is really good, uh, and, and kind of shows the problems of of not holding to limited atonement and and the strengths of limited atonement. So here's what what Greg Bonson has to say here. He says that a very unhealthy notion that plagues the fundamentalist church is the idea that Christ laid down his life for each and every individual, that he went to the cross to save all men without exception. Such a view is not consistent with biblical Christianity. Sometimes a person will acknowledge the total depravity of man, unconditional election of God the Father, provenient grace of the Spirit, and yet deny the particular redemption of Christ. Such a position is known as four-point Calvinism and is an is and is as inconsistent as it is unorthodox. If it be said that before creation the Father singled out in election those whom he destined to save, and that the Spirit's activity of bringing men to repentance and faith is operative to that extent only in the lives of God's elect, and yet that Christ offered up his life for the purpose of saving every single individual, then the unity of the Trinity has been forsaken. For in such a case, Christ clearly set out to accomplish what God, the Father, and Spirit did not intend to do. Christ here would be out of harmony with the will and purpose of the other two persons of the Trinity. Hence, anyone who expounds four-point Calvinism has inadvertently destroyed the doctrine of the Trinity by dissolving its unity and is logically committed to a polytheistic position. It should also be noted that the doctrine of particular redemption is necessary to the orthodox view of Christ's substitutionary atonement. The only alternatives to it are universal salvation or salvation by works, both of which are unbiblical. If Christ atoned for the sins of all men, then all men will be saved. For a righteous God cannot condemn a man twice. If the man's sins have been atoned, he cannot be sent to hell on the basis of them. Scripture makes it abundantly clear that Christ, through his sacrifice, made a full and actual, not potential, redemption, who gave himself to us to redeem us from all iniquity and to purify for himself a particular people, Titus 2.14. He will save his people from their sins, Matthew 1.21. He entered once for all into the holy place, taking his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption, Hebrews 9.12. It is clear that Christ presented an actual and not potential redemption on the cross. The gospel is good news, not advice. It tells us what has been accomplished, not what might come about. Upon the cross, Christ 
cried out, it is finished. Nothing was left to be done. For, a, for full atonement has been made. Hence, if Christ, as it is suggested, died for every man, all men shall be saved without exception. Yet scripture clearly teach clearly teaches that yet scripture clearly does not teach a universal salvation. And if, contrary to scripture, it is uh, responded that Christ's redemption is only potential to be made actual when the sinner believes, then salvation is said to depend finally on something the sinner does. And that is tantamount to salvation by works, as well as being based on an erroneous view of Christ's atonement. Isaiah prophesied that, prophesied that Christ would see of the travail of his soul and be satisfied. Yet if Christ went to the cross with the intention of saving every individual, he certainly has been defeated and, not, and cannot be satisfied. For our Lord is not defeated. All power has been given to him in heaven and earth. His sufferings do accomplish what he intended. For the salvation he provides is not abstract and universal. It is particular and personal. Christ died for his people, the elect, Matthew 1.21. For all the Father gives me will come to me, for I came down from heaven to do, do the will of him who sent me, John 6.37. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I know my own, and I lay down my life for the sheep, John 10.11 and 14.18. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I will give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. John ten twenty four to 29 Glorify the Son, since thou hast given him power over all flesh, so that he might give eternal life to all whom thou hast given him. I have accomplished the work which thou gavest me to do. John seventeen one through 4 Feed the church and the Lord, which he... Obtained for himself with his own blood, Acts twenty twenty eight. Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, Ephesians five twenty five and twenty seven. Who gave himself to purify for himself a chosen people of his own, Titus two fourteen. Those holding to an indefinite atonement of Christ will often appeal to scripture passages which speak of salvation in terms of the world or all men or all nations, etc. However, in most instances, these words were used by the New Testament writers to emphatically correct the mistaken Jewish notion that full salvation was not for the Gentiles. These expressions are intended to show that Christ died for all men without distinction, not all men without exception. If the uh, referent of world in 2 Corinthians 5.19, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, were to be taken as every single individual, then the verse teaches that Christ's work was to effect a reconciliate to effect the reconciliation of every man to God, i.e. universal salvation, which is clearly unscriptural. The general evangelical call goes out to all men in, in our preaching, while it is only the elect who are moved by the Holy Spirit to respond with repentance and faith to that redemption accomplished for them by Christ. If redemption were indefinite and potential, then none would be saved. For man who is dead in sin and unable to receive the things of the Spirit of God, Ephesians 2, 1, 1 Corinthians 2, 14, would not be able to appropriate that potential redemption for himself. No man is able to come to Christ except the Father draw him, John 6, 44. 
The sinner drinks iniquity like water and does not see God, Job 15.16, Romans 3.11. So he can no more choose to come to Christ than to gain for himself the benefits of the atonement than a leopard can change his spots, Jeremiah 13.23. Praise be to God who did not make only partial atonement for the sins of the people, who did not allow the salvation of his elect to be thwarted by leaving it up to them to respond, who fully saved us by having his son actually obtain salvation for his sheep. Particular redemption is the only triune, monotheistic, substitutionary, personal, effectual, and biblical, hence orthodox, doctrine of Christ's atonement. All else, including fundamentalisms, redemption for every individual, are doctrines pleasing to men but unsatisfactory in their theology, anthropology, and soteriology. And uh, I think that that's really powerful words. And and those things, I don't believe... You know, if you hold a substitutionary atonement, if you believe that Christ actually paid for sins of people on the cross... Substitute, you know, he was our substitute. He paid for, you know, the penalty of our sins was poured out on Christ instead of us. Then you would have to say that Christ had a particular people in mind when he died. He didn't just die to make salvation possible, he actually secured the salvation of whom he died for. Um, if in one of the biggest problems I see with universal atonement is you have people in hell this moment today that Christ has died for. And and how can God, who poured out his wrath on Christ for all human beings, then turn around and punish people again in hell? That's unfair, and that's unjust, which God is not. So I believe the only way that you can hold to a biblical understanding of the atonement is to... Uh, is to hold to limited atonement uh, into particular redemption that Christ paid for the salvation of his elect people. And that's the only way you can understand the atonement correctly. I hope that's helpful to some people out there, and God bless.